Blog Talk Radio. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of colour? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Zanman Shane Sabunia, and joining me shortly, hopefully, will be my partner in crime, the Honorable Jeff. He is having connection issues because Skype is fucking spectacularly bad at doing what it is meant to do. Um, I bitch about Skype pretty much every week because we always have connection issues, um, but Skype is, you know, basically made for one thing. I mean. Yes, um, you can video chat on it, and you can chat on it, and you can audio chat on it, but by and large, its primary job is to, over the internet, people that want to communicate with each other, and it fails at that so often, it's fucking ridiculous. They continually make updates to it, and every update they make seems to make everything work worse. Um, the thing is that you should be able to log on to a program and connect with somebody else or a phone number without it erroring out 80% of the time. And now for the second time in two weeks, Jeff's account has he's been locked out of through no fault of his own. So now I have to go in there and add him again. Um, Jeff can testify that I've got lots of jobs um, at work, and I do all of them. I, I rock ass at doing all of them. Um, if I sucked ass at doing all of them, then I could understand, um, or even doing one of them, then I could understand why Skype may be able to fail at the one thing it's fucking trying to do. Um, however... Uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous, the piece of shit that we have to rely on to do this goddamn show um, and how shitty it works most of the damn time. Um, 
it's it's incredibly bad um, how terrible this program is. And I really hope that Microsoft gets its head out of its ass and fixes all the connection issues this piece of shit has. Because it makes it very difficult to be in a good mood to do this show, or sometimes even to do the show, uh, period. And I am looking now to see if I can find Jeff on Skype the way he told me to, and I am not finding a new one for him. So let me just send him a quick text. I'm sorry, guys. I know this is not exactly spectacular radio, but um, these technical issues really get me down because it seems like it happens every damn week. Uh, We've had a couple weeks where it's gone smoothly, but for the most part, Skype does not communicate well with blog talks and it doesn't communicate well with the two of us and it just it's very irritating um i'm just going to send that quick text and then i will talk about what we're going to talk about oh so jeff said he just added me so let me see if i have a new message saying that he added me sorry guys um but we're going to be talking about Assuming that I that I get him um, added here, and we're going to be talking about Major League Wrestling, uh, their battle riot that, t- riot that took place last year. As I finally got to that and watched it, um, really good, sh- really good thing. Um, for those, if you, if you haven't seen it, um, basically it is like the like a Royal Rumble, um, but it's 40 people, and they come in every minute, and you can eliminate people by pinfall, submission, knockout or over the top rope. And the winner of that gets a title shot at his um, at the time that he chooses. So really cool that way where um, where it kind of works, you know, like like a combination of I suppose the Aztec warfare um, situation. And then you have the, the uh, Money in the Bank type thing where you can choose any time you want to wrestle for that championship. Uh, really awesome stuff. And I'm still not getting his notification thing that he friended me like he said he did. So um, We're also going to be talking about this weekend's ROH New Japan combo shows where um, Ring of Honor went over to Japan like they do this time every year and had a joint show with with uh, New Japan. And and so we are going to talk about that. There, lots of titles were on the line. Every Ring of Honor men's championship was on the line. Um, the NJB, NJPW, or excuse me, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships were on the line. And both of the Never titles were on the line. So, you know, so that, that was, those are some really good shows. And I'm just texting Jeff again here. Sorry about that, guys. Another chat here. Let me see if that's him because it's, it's not telling me that I have a new friend request like he said he sent me. So that's what I'm still doing is trying to find him here. Oh, maybe maybe that's it. Ah, there he is. Okay. 
So maybe I can get him added now. One moment here while I bring on um, Jeff. Maybe he'll have some ranting to do about this piece of shit called Skype as well. Won't that be fun? Why can't I get back into the chat? Oh, this piece of shit. Oh, I'm going call. Let's try that. Ah, there we go. I'm just pressing buttons here and seeing what sticks, you know, just like you would like button mashing a video game. All right, well, it shows him active, but I can't add him. That's really fun. Well, no, I don't want to create a new group. Fucking stupid program. How can you show him active there and then not let me add him as a contact and add him on the call? Oh, God, I hate you. I wish we could do this in one location so we don't have to worry about your stupid ass all the time. At least try to connect both of us. Oh, my God. Well, it says he's active. Oh, this is just being completely ridiculous. I'm going to go back to the call and see if it'll let me add him now. Yes, go to call. That's what I clicked on in the first place. Let me try this and see if I can add him doing this, even though it tells me that he's not active. So let's see if he put pops on the line with these two calls I'm trying to make to add him with these two different contacts that Joe showed not active, even though he apparently is active. Because this program is just the best ever. Are you there, Jeff? Oh, no, he just re-logged in. Well, of course he did. So one Jeff Reed is being called, and the other one was unavailable. Let's see. Uh, let's see if it gets him added here.
Oh, said Jeff. Jeff's unavailable again, so let me try this again. Oh, this is so fun. I also also to let you guys know that my wife is off work tonight, but she went to get me some takeout Chinese, so she'll probably be coming in and interrupting and not intentionally just to bring my food and, and to say hi to me and stuff, but the dogs are going to go crazy, so... Um, if we ever get the show rolling, um, you'll have that to look forward to as well. And now it shows that he didn't answer again. I love this program so much. Well, there he is. So I think as much as, as it's against my better judgment, I may have to log out of here and then try to call again and try to add him that way because this is just going spectacularly badly when I try to add him from the call. Maybe if I hang up and try again, we'll be able to get him actually added onto the call. So we, I will be right back, folks. Okay, so I'm back, folks. I'm going to try to add Jeff this time and see if it's going to show. Nope, it still shows him unavailable. Oh, this stupid piece of shit program. All right, so I'm going to have him try calling me and see if I can add him to when he's calling. Let's see how that works. Answering the call place, my caller on hold. Well, fine. Won't let me do that then. All right, so what other options do I have? Let me check here. Sorry, I'm trying to figure all this technical shit, guys. Let's see. No, I don't want to create a group. I want to add him to the call. Okay. Let's try that. Now we'll see my contacts. Ah, there we go. Okay, now I should be able to add him. All right, so let's go to this one. 
Yes, go to call again. That's what I just did. Oh, my God. There you are. Hello. Oh, my God. I know. It's ridiculous. So now I've got three different Jeff Reeds in my contact list, and I'm sure next week or the week after I'll have a fourth one. Um, It's just spectacular how well this program works, isn't it? Um, Before I got you added, I'm not sure if you were able to listen to the show at all, but I was was telling – I was saying that, as you know, I have many different tasks at my job, and I'm spectacular at all of them. But I but I, so I can't I can't understand how Skype, which has one fucking job, is so spectacularly bad at it. I was wondering the same thing when they logged me out and told me that my fucking account didn't exist again, and I had to create another new one. But then I ended up signing into an old one that I haven't used since 2016. I'm a little upset, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really irritating. I mean, we, I've basically been rambling for the last 19 minutes on the show about how shitty Skype is. So that's, that's really what they, what they want to hear about, you know, on a wrestling podcast. Well, did, um, you, cover, did you cover any wrestling? Did you say we're going to body slam them at least? Uh, no, I did. I, I talked about I, 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 said, <laughs> I said we're going to talk about Major League Wrestling and we're going to talk about um, Ring of Honor New Japan. Um, you know, that, that's basically what I said. So I'm I mean, excited. I, Where do we want to start? Um, did you watch the, the way to being the elite? I did not. No, because I was too busy catching up on, uh, on horizon. Okay. Do you want me to tell you what happened? No, cause I'm going to watch it later. Okay. Dick. So no, go so ahead I, and tell me, do you think I, <laughs> I, when have I ever cared about spoilers? <laughs> well, so, so the, uh, the young bucks showed up in Chicago. Um, you know, the person, the person they've been in Chicago since all in, um, and they surprised the Lucha Bros at the, I mean, at the end of one of the shows and cost the Lucha Bros the tag titles against LAX and, nice. challenged, and, cha- and, cha- and officially challenged them to the match at Double or Nothing. So, nice. so, so it looks like, we're, so it looks like that's, that's now officially on the, in the cards. And one, thing, one cool thing that they showed also was that the, 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 uh, the show that the Lucha Bros and LAX were main eventing was not at the Sears Center, but they stopped at the Sears Center, and there is now a gold plaque outside on the wall of Sears Center um, memorializing all in. Nice. That is awesome. It was really cool. Especially considering how important all in was to uh, just wrestling in general. Right. Um, Speaking of which, and I wanted to talk about this last week, and it totally escaped my mind because by the time we got to the Because most things do. Yes, I understand. Yeah, I know. It's... Dead brain cells and all that shit. Anyway, um, oh, you ha- I didn't know you know you had any brain cells, so maybe they can be revived at some point. You know that kind of hurts a little. Yeah, well, I'm kind of pissy right now. Yeah, I can tell. And I, I didn't, and I didn't even. I was so busy trying to get connected, I didn't even um, smoke up at all before the show. So that kind of sucks did, too. Did Skype piss in your uh, Cheerios this morning? Maybe I should go get. Maybe I should go get my vape oil while um, we're talking. Please don't. Someone Why? needs to keep this show on the rails, and I can't. Well, 
Yeah, but I but I've been doing it you know for weeks now, and I've been able to keep the show basically on the rails. So. Oh, good job. So Thanks. proud of you. Anyway, the thing that I was going to talk about is um, I oh, was going to oh, go. And, and, and by the way, when I say smoke up, I of course mean very legal pipe that I'm using. Yeah, tobacco. Yeah. We all knew that. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm right. Yes. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? There was a problem with the network. Of course there was. Oh, you piece of crap. So can you hear me now? Is that a no? I'm going to take this as a no. You cannot hear me. (laughs) How about now? Shane, you do realize you're on the air, right? Hello? So am I still on the air? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, apparently I'm on the air, so where's the connection lost? Just on Jeff's end, I'm guessing? Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm going to try adding Jeff yet again. Let's see what happens. Sorry, there was a connection issue that time where I where I lost everybody, and then apparently Jeff lost me, and then I have no idea what just happened. So, trying to get him back on the air here. Let's see how it goes. Actually, ringing my headphones, it just pops up with a notification that says "join call." Are you there, Shane? Yes. Are you there? I'm here. Yes. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm here if you heard me, dick. <laughs> that doesn't mean I, you can hear me, though, just because you're there. That's, I, guess that's, I guess that's what I should have said. Can you hear me? Well, the funniest thing is is that um, I could hear you the whole time until I hung up because you couldn't hear me for some reason. And it's not ringing. That's the biggest problem is it doesn't ring. It just pops up with a join call now. Oh, see, my, it rings on my end, but it was, but it, I had it right, right in the middle of, your, of the screen where your stupid face is right now. Um, yeah. It said connection lost. Really? Yeah. It's a lying bitch because there was a connection. I heard you. Well, there was a connection on your end, but I, <laughs> I, but I couldn't hear anything. So, anyway, what were you, what were you saying as I was uh, getting my tobacco ready? Uh, dude, I forgot. Oh, yeah. Um, being the elite. Uh, you know, we've been giving Cody all kinds of credit for everything, and rightfully so. I mean, he's, you know, the fact that he took a gamble on himself, he quit WWE when he showed multiple times he belonged at the top. He quits the promotion, goes out to the independent scene, and makes a name for himself. But everybody's giving him credit for the creation of uh, All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I was reading somewhere an interview with uh, Matt Jackson where they were talking about how it was the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega who were all in from the start. They had to convince Cody to actually join the ranks. Really? And it was the signing of Kenny Omega that really pushed him over the edge. So here we, we've been you know, touting uh, Cody as being the forefront and the father of all this and everything, and the reality is, is it was the Bucks and Kenny Omega that were the forefront. Huh? No, I had no idea. So, did uh, do you have a do you have that link you can send to me so I can read that article? 
I'll have to find it. It was on a Bleacher Report uh, site for something. I don't remember. I'll find it and send it to you. Yeah, I used to use Bleacher Report, and then it started sending me notifications for things I didn't want to get the notifications for. So I guess I just decided to... Like everything? They could, they, could, they could fuck off. Yeah, like everything? Well, right, but I mean, you know, like I maybe I was I could like maybe have DVR to Duke game to watch later, and then I then all of a sudden I get a flash across my screen, you know, what the result was, or um, or p- same thing with pay per views. Like I get you know with WWE pay per views, like I would I would wait you know to watch them until you know another time so I could like fast forward through all the bullshit, which you know didn't take very much. I guess for you can really... you can condense a three hour pay per view down to about two matches. I was going to say it's like 12 minutes, but... Yeah, like two matches. <laughs> um, but I would, you know, I would get reports of, like, you know, who won and stuff. So it's just like, you know, you're not worth it, Bleacher Report. So, um, anyway, that, that was... Uh, I wanted to... Because that was one thing I was going to bring up last week, is uh, how great Cody... O- and I'm not... Look, I'm not taking anything away from Cody and all that he's achieved and all that he's done for the sport and everything, but... Um, when we were watching All In, there was the thank you, Cody chant and all that stuff. And it got me thinking, you know, how much is Cody really involved? And, and why aren't the Bucks getting that kind of treatment? And then I read that article where uh, Matt was saying, you know, Kenny was in this from day one. And here we were thinking, well, Kenny was, we, are he gonna, he's going to go back to NJPW. He's not going to sign with All Elite. And then it turns out that he was in it from day one all in from day one and Cody was the one that needed the convincing. So it, it just, it came across as kind of an interesting point. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and the, the thing is that Kenny really had no obligation to sign with all elite, even if he had said he was going to other than, you know, just friendship. Right. Um, exactly. You know, you know, because at the time that he would have agreed to do that, he was still under contract to New Japan pro wrestling. So, um, so it's so any promise he had ma- any promise he made in, you know, October, November, December to sign with All Elite could have easily been swayed by, you know, money from WWE or, you know, creative from NJPW, things like that. You know, his, his friendship with uh, Kota Ibushi, who's another story here, because I, I don't know if you read his recent comments, Jeff, but he said the reason that he didn't go to All Elite Wrestling is because if he, if he did do that, then his career would be over. Um, because, Why would he think that, though? Oh, because he's well, wrestling in well, America and they don't know him, or...? No, he was saying that there would be no other steps to go up if that were the case. You know, he he would have no no place to to um to learn and grow if he was already going to one of the top going to a top American organization. Basically, he's in a top uh, but, promotion but, now. He's in one I, of the I, top three in the world. Right, and and then and then <laughs> he went and then he finished it by saying that he's going to finish his career with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Well, then if you're going to finish your career with New Japan Pro Wrestling, you already have no place else to go. Your career's already over. So, the, just, whole, so, so, so the whole thing didn't really make any sense to me. Well, and not, how long has it been since he's actually signed a contract? He's been a per, per diem uh, wrestler for, what, seven years now? Six, seven years? Right, and now he's signed a two-year contract with NJPW. Exactly. So it's it, his logic is... I, I just wonder if uh, Kenny's moved to the States is what pissed him off. And now he's trying to show him, Hey, I can do it without you. It I mean, could be, it could, and it could be, and, and he could easily be one of the, one of the four pillars there now, you know? Oh, exactly. Exactly. And from his, from what I saw out of Kenny, and it was an argument I tried to make, and then I kind of backed off on it. Cause I just wanted to see how it played out. But if you look at Kenny Omega, what else did he have to prove in NJPW? 
Um, nothing. Nothing at all. He was kind of like the Bucks. Uh, I mean, Cody had a little bit more to prove, but Cody has been in a position where he can just pretty much write his ticket wherever he goes type of thing. So he's already proven that he belongs. You know, and the Bucks, they did everything they could in ROH and, and uh, New Japan. And, and same thing with Kenny Omega. He was done in New Japan. He couldn't do anymore. So these four guys breaking off on their own, this is what's going to cement their legacy. No matter what happens from here on out, the fact that the four of them are executive vice presidents who are in on the, on the ground floor of AEW. If AEW becomes the next WCW, these guys are going to be cemented in fucking concrete for the rest of their the rest of time. Well, let's let's pause right there. Let's put a pit in that, Jeff. Because just I understand what you're meaning by that, but I just want to say that I don't want to compare them to WCW because I don't want it to get to the point where there's so many egos running the thing that well, no, that's it, not... that, it, that it ends up imploding due to, due to the fact that you know they can't get along and you know they're wasting they're they're wasting money and going billions in debt, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, that, and that's not the point I was trying to make. What I was trying to make was the fact that another relevant um, actual competition to WWE. I mean, let's face it, as good as TNA was from 2005 to 2009, when they were easily the second best promotion in the world, they could not compete with what WWE was doing. Well, I wouldn't say they were. The, I wouldn't say they were easily the second best promotion in the world. They're the second. They're the second uh, most America. prominent promotion, maybe. But but Ring of Honor was still doing awesome stuff at that time. Yeah, and so was New Japan. But as far as being out there, I mean, at that time, I didn't even realize that New Ring of Honor existed. And New Japan, I'd heard about heard of them, but you know that was something I wasn't didn't have any interest in. You know, and now, like, I mean, we talked about this last week. Now it's a whole different animal, especially for you and I, because it's not just WWE anymore. There's so much goodness, not just across the globe with NJPW and um, OEW and things like that. Rev Pro, and I mean, I go on Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. There's there's so many that are in the states with Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Ring of Honor, TNA, or well, well Impact. Well. And, well Pro Wrestling Guerrilla is really more like a super indie than an actual wrestling promotion um, because, because they don't really tell many storylines. It's basically, you know, we'll pull in these two top guys to have a great match, and then it's basically like a one-off. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't put PWG in that same category simply because that's all they are is a match-producing factory. But they're, not, the, they're, not, they're, not, they're not really a wrestling promotion. Just the Bola event alone, though, is something that's synonymous with them. Well, and the other thing with them is that, like even even with Bola, it's still you still can't see it unless you're actually there for you know two to three months. And, yeah, that and is by the, time, by, the time, by the time it's actually happened, you already know who won. You already, I mean, there might have been a lot of hype for it, but there's no drama really involved when you watch it because you already know what happened. I mean, that is that is one drawback that I do have with it, but it's still. It, it's still a fun event to watch, especially if you get a chance to go back and watch some of the, like Jeff Cobb's victory last, uh, was it last year, last summer? Yeah, and then I think Marty Skrull was the year before. Marty Skrull was the year before, then the Bucks, didn't the Bucks win it the year before that? The Bucks won, how? How could the Bucks win Bola? I don't remember. No, that was the year they had that six-man tag with Adam Cole. Right. So it, I guess they didn't win it, but that was the year they had that that five-star classic with Meltzer in the audience and everything. Um, 
and, and you know, getting back to what you where you where you started this with with uh, Matt Jackson and Cody, um, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I mean, last year, you know, I mean, it was Cody that said to Meltzer that he would take that bet, but but you know, I felt all along, and I think you felt the same that it was really Matt Jackson that was driving that train. You know, he was the one doing most of the marketing for it. He was the one doing the booking for it. He was the one doing the producing for the most part. So, well, I wouldn't, I, and I wouldn't say just Matt. I, I think Nick had a lot to do with it, and I also think that um, uh, his Matt's wife had a lot to do with it. Right, but I, I mean, but I mean, it was, but I still think it was the Jacksons more than it was Cody that was actually, um, and and you know, they they have more experience marketing themselves and everything than Cody really ever had, as right. well. So I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. But I mean, I I think Cody kind of wrote a check that the Jacksons, you know, were responsible for cashing. And that's a possibility. I, I, like I said, I don't want to take anything away from Cody because Cody is a huge draw. He's incredibly talented, and he's done a lot for this business just in the last, what, 10 years since that he's been around. And he's very um, creative, and he's a great figurehead and spokesman. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that he's really the – I've never really seen him as the driving force behind all of this. And that I agree with. That, that I do agree with. I think the cons came out. And I think – I mean, I think he's in a great position being the executive uh, vice president. But I, I don't think without Matt and Nick, All In would have happened. I think, like you said, Matt and Nick were the guys that, that were the driving force where Cody was the... I, I don't want to say he wasn't the driving force to it as well, but I, I think that he was more, like you said, the figurehead, the guy that uh, got the people in the door type of thing. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, the Jacksons, for all that they're worth, they're hella promoters, and they're, but they don't have the name recognition that Cody has. Cody has the name recognition for the rubes that don't know any better. And he also has that kind of cold, calculating demeanor where he can come out there and, ex- and explain things and, and kind of be the, like, the logical, um, like I said, spokesman or, or figurehead, you know? Right. And I loved the most recent um, road to... Um, road to double or nothing just for that reason. You know, I mean, with, with Jericho coming on at the end of it, is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. They, I mean, it's hard for me to say anything against Cody because I do think that he is, he's become a marketing genius in his own right he was able to take his name right and high from the, from leaving the WWE and created this whole thing that he became with his whole list uh, that he was going after, which, uh, you know, wrestling some of the greatest in the independent wrestlers in the world and, and then becoming the American nightmare and all that stuff. I just, I can't take it away from Cody. I think he's done an amazing thing, but I don't know if you saw his tweet, I want to say it was like Monday or Tuesday of last week. Well, it had to have been Tuesday because I would have talked about it on Monday, but where he posted a uh, video of his dad and one of his dad's most famous promos. And he was talking about how if you can't do this, you better be Will Ospreay if you want to get any recognition here. And And I was watching the the way his dad just captivated. And when you look back and you think about all of the wrestlers that are out there now, if they can't keep you with their, uh, with their voice and their promos and, and get you in that way, 
and they can't drop the promotion that way, they better be able to do shit Will Ospreay does. Because they just they won't stand a chance otherwise. Yeah, I did I did watch that tweet or look at that tweet and watch that video. That, I thought that was really awesome. Um, and and I totally agree with that. I mean, the, the thing the thing with pro wrestling is that you've got to have a hook, and and as a wrestler, but then an organization can have multiple hooks because they've got multiple guys doing things. Like like you and I had talked about on last week's show that Sunny Kiss may not be for us, but I'm sure there's people out there that he, that he, you know that he is there for. You know you know we're big fans of the Young Bucks, but I know there's there's lots of wrestlers out you know lots of wrestling fans out there that aren't. You know they don't they don't like what they stand for. But um, you know, then you got like guys like Hangman Page. You've got Cody um, that, that represents like an, like an old school style. You have Page as kind of a blend of the two. You have got Pac that like a high flying masterpiece. You know, and then you've got um, you know, you've got, you've got the Chinese guys coming in. You've got the women. Um, and don't forget our favorite Sammy Guevara. And Sammy Guevara coming in. Yep. Right. With, and we've got Lucha coming in. So I mean. I think I think that's something that all Elite is doing very well is they're is they're putting enough um, they're not putting too many eggs in a basket but they're putting enough out there that's you know that that's something that's across you know there's something for everybody you know they're they're doing they're using that three ring circus approach where if you don't like the lions you're going to like the the elephants if you don't like the elephants you're going to like the trapeze if you don't like the trapeze you're going to like um, I don't know uh, trying to think of something else but you know well, you, know what, as- you know what I'm saying the clowns I guess. As much as we don't want to compare them to WCW, that was the same approach WCW took and what eventually got them over the top. You know, they had their heavyweights at the top. They had their mid-carters. But then they brought in the luchadors. They brought in that cruiserweight division. They brought in, you know, all of these other pieces, and they, they built up their tag team division. They, they took it to a whole new level by giving you so many different things. Where now when you watch WWE wrestling, there's only two things on there. There's women wrestling and then heavyweights. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. You know, they, don't, they don't give you the... They don't give you... A, there's no tag team wrestling. Their tag team divisions are an embarrassment. And, and there's no mid-card. It's you know, whichever heavyweight is not, or whichever main card guy is not doing anything right now, let's put the Intercontinental title on him, all of Seth Rollins last year, and Daniel Bryan before, and, you know, so many other people. You know, they don't have, it's just not what it, it's not what it used to be, and I think that's what AEW is attacking, and I like the fact that they're they're going that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the only thing that I think that they don't have yet, that I'm, I'm sh- that, you know, they may develop that, WCW did, you know, acquire probably like around 97, 98 is um, like a real hardcore division with guys like, you know, they brought in like the Sandman and they brought in um, Raven, of course, with Raven's rules and, and all that stuff. And, and we don't really see that aspect in AEW yet, but I'm not sure that it's, well, I suppose Joey Janelle is there. Um, we but, don't but really I mean, see that aspect in wrestling anymore, though. Not no. just in well, AEW, CZ, uh, other, everywhere. Yeah, other than CZW, I suppose. Yeah, there's not, and it's occasionally House of Hardcore. Right. But there's not, there's not that aspect in wrestling anymore. People don't get excited by seeing somebody get hit with a chair anymore like they used to. Well, no, because it happens almost every main event match. <laughs> right. So, I mean, you could argue that hardcore matches are just the norm now. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's an aspect that's ever really going to come back. 
But I think having the like uh, TNA did it for a while before they became Impact. Well, and even now, I guess they kind of still do it with the X Division. You know, and well, well, uh, yeah, well you know, you know, so I think you know some of our favorite matches last year involved the hardcore stuff. You know, like it was um, you know, like Paige against Janela, um, Pentagon and, and Callahan. Pentagon, yeah, Pentagon and Callahan and LAX against. Um, oh geez. OG, the OGs in that in that awesome, um, you know, the, the hardcore um, tag team match from what was it, Slam Reversary? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Because we haven't seen Bound for Glory yet, so yeah, from Slam Reversary. So. Are we ever going to get to Bound for Glory? Well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, is it is that something that maybe we should watch for next week's show? <sighs> I. I don't know, because I'm caught up now to Bound for Glory on Impact, but I've been so captivated with MLW that I'm having a hard time. I was actually thinking of jumping fast forward to 2019 with Impact so that we could be here and now. So when we get to the end of the year awards, we're like, oh, OK, you know, we can include that. Well, yeah, for- yeah, but the problem is that we're not going to pay $40 a pay-per-view either. No, I mean, we'll get to it six months later, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that we can't look back and say, oh, yeah, this guy was amazing just by the work he did on TV. You know, it's not like New, it's not like New Japan where the only time you see them is on these big shows or the Road 2 or whatever. Yeah. You know, well, you can actually see them I, perform I just, on a weekly basis. What I was thinking is there's, probably, there's basically like a small break here in – um, you know, between, between, before the NJPW anniversary show and the Ring of Honor anniversary show, that we could probably watch something that we haven't. I mean, I, it was, we, we could certainly watch more Major League Wrestling, too, I suppose. But, is there a break? We have, what, a week? Well, next Wednesday is the anniversary show, and also the day that, Mar- that Captain Marvel opens in theaters. <laughs> and, then, and then that following um, Friday. Yeah, the 6th. You're on the sixth, and then the following Friday, the on the fifteenth. So, but it's like a week and a half after that is the ROH anniversary show. And then we're starting the um, New Japan Cup right after that. I think so. Yeah. Because that New Japan Cup doesn't that end right before the G1 Supercard on the sixth of April. I'm not sure when it ends, but I know the winner of that has has now been acknowledged as being the um, the challenger at G1 Supercard in the main event. Okay, so yeah, so it's got to be within next. It's got to be right after the anniversary show, because that's a two-week tournament, isn't it? I think so, something like that. I've got NJPW nineteen seventy-two up right now. Let, let me um, see what the schedule looks like. All right, so the anniversary show is on the sixth, like I said. Uh, wait, is there two anniversary shows? Let me look at this. Oh no, that's just that's just a different. Okay, so the anniversary event is on March sixth. New Japan Cup starts runs from March eighth until March twenty fourth. So yeah, it's yeah, it is days. two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And then, and then about two weeks after that is when the um, well, the sixth of April. Right, about two weeks after that is when we've got the um, Super Card. Let's see if they've announced any matches for the anniversary event. I know they had announced a couple the other day. I was going to see if they have a full well, card. Well, they've got um, Jay White and uh, Osprey. Osprey challenged Jay White. I don't know if that's going to be on the anniversary show or not. Well, they yeah, they there was no acknowledgement whether they accepted. Yep, they have he has accepted. So the main event is going to be Osprey versus White. 
that's going to be an amazing. That's going to be one of those uh, Wednesdays when I'm going to wake up really fucking early in the morning to watch it live because I'm going to have to. Wait a minute, do I have my kid? Ah, I have my kid that day. <laughs> um, Liger's challenging mm-hmm. Ishimori for the junior heavyweight title. Yeah. Um, Yo and Show are taking on Taka- Shingo and Bushi for the junior tag titles. Goto, Okada, and Tanahashi versus Sonata, Evil, and Naito. Uh, there's a 10-man tag. Hanari and, and Yuji Nagata taking on Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii. That's a weird one. And another 10-man tag. So that's pretty much the card right there. The... um. Oh, wow, in this first opening 10-man tag on that show, Hikuleo is back. Really? Yeah. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Weren't you, miss, weren't you missing him? Kind of. <laughs> All right. Uh, that makes so, one of us. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, um... I know you have some strong thoughts about this, and uh, of course I do too. So I'm just going to say the match, and I'm going to let you roll with it. Uh, Gargano versus the Velveteen Dream. Um, I really don't have any, I, I really thought it was an okay match. I, 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 really, I really don't have any, any, any strong feelings one way or the other with it. On the match itself, I agree with you. I thought it was, you know, it was normal Gargano versus Dream. It was, you know, four, four and a half stars easily. No. You don't think so? No. I mean, Ryan had, Ryan had actually messaged us that it was the best WWE match so far this year. I would say it's probably... I, that I don't agree I, with. I, I, don't, I, don't think I, I, I might be at four on it. I wouldn't go four and a half. I'm... I might. I'm probably somewhere between three, three, seven, five, and four on that. On you all. You all. I mean, I mean, take... but, but it's just. It's just the fact that, and you know, it, it's it's weird that you would say, you know, it's something's a four star match, but it's kind of commonplace. But I mean, really, in twenty, you know, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, a four star match is pretty commonplace. Well, I mean, and that's only because of certain talent. It is, but I mean, but I mean, when when he, I looked at that and I was like, ah, eh, it was okay, just because there's so many. Sh- better stuff out there, you know, and, and it's not like they had a bad match. It's just that, you know, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't one of the better ones I've seen even, you know, this year, much less, you know, in the last four or five years. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, we had, uh, um, black versus Gargano. Was black versus Gargano at, no. Ricochet versus Gargano was a much better match. Um, right. Black versus Ciampa was a better match. You know, those are two WWE matches right there. And then we're not even getting into the AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan match, which I thought was a lot more underrated than I think most people do. I I thought that that crowd really killed that match. I thought they didn't know what to do with it because it was a really good wrestling match. And then, and then if we, and then if we go back to the, to the weekend before that, um, you know, the, both the opening match and the main event are, are, to me, the one-two best matches of the year so far in, in WWE easily. Which matches? The the tag team title match for NXT UK, and oh yeah, yeah, and yep, then right. done taking on Joe Coffey. Yeah, you're right. So I, I and I completely disregarded them. I didn't even think of those those two in that. So I, 
I mean, I would I would say this. Gargano dream match was maybe the sixth or seventh best match this year so far. And that's saying a lot considering it's only February. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not always going to end up any, on any, you know, end of the year no. match list. No, you no. know, and, and, and that's a year list. And, and really it should have with the talent involved, honestly. But the fact that it, it was the result of it, I think, is what sours both you and I on it. Well, right, because it happens like two weeks after Johnny Gargano won the won the championship, and com- and he's you know he's supposed to be on this on this mission to to you know to dominate NXT this year, and then he you know he loses the championship to Dream. His, I mean, I, and the in thing his is that first defense, he wasn't. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, this was his first defense two weeks after he won it, a throwaway episode of NXT. He loses the match. I, I just. Just for what Gargano did last year in his storyline with Ciampa, he deserved more than that. Plain yeah, simple. I agree. I agree. And, and you no, know, I, I want I want Velveteen Dream to, to have a big build. I, you know, so it's nothing against Dream. I, you know, I think he should be the ROH. I'm not the ROH, but the NXT champion by the end of the year. But I mean, for him to win the North American title that quickly from Gargano, I thought was really disrespectful to, to Gargano. I mean, maybe the story will prove us wrong on that. Oh, it's but, got a lot to go, though. But, yeah, it's got a, long, it's got a lot to go. And, and, you know, what are we going to have? Like, Gargano win the championship back at another, at another takeover? You know, and, and then he's already, you know, he's already lost, like, a three-month title win that, he, that, he, that could have been building to a takeover. Well, and know? see, the, and that's what we were talking about. Hey, you and I kind of talked about it off-air, which we got to stop doing. But then again, if we don't, we forget about things. Um, but we talked about how it, I, I would have been okay with Gargano losing it in his first title defense if that title defense came at takeover at WrestleMania weekend. And he had a three-month reign, and he put on some classic matches, even in non-title defenses. I still would have been okay with it, or even you know, one title defense here or there on, on NXT. If he had lost to Velveteen Dream in April, it would have been a completely different situation for me. I think the fact that they did this World's Collide tournament, he comes out and a week later is wrestling on NXT TV for the title, not only disrespects Gargano, but it also disrespects that World Collide tournament. That should have been something that should have built to take over. Well, no, I, I, I guess I don't agree with that necessarily because I think I think it was supposed to be like a right away title shot. But and and you know it does make NXT more special, I guess, when you know that a title can actually change hands on that show rather than having to wait till a takeover. And maybe in two weeks, you know, Velveteen Dream will drop the title back to Johnny Gargano and they'll build a takeover that way. But I just right now it feels it feels like a misstep to me. And I agree hundred and ten percent with that. Yeah, I, just, I, mean, I, I mean if Gargano I wins it, was... it back in if Gargano wins it back in two weeks and they're and they're and they face each other for like for a rubber match at takeover then i'll be then i'll probably be fine with this result but right now i don't, know if I would. I don't like I, it i don't know if i would have I, I i think i think if they would have you know written the story a little bit differently where it, with the attitude they were going with gargano a perfect storyline would have been for him to come out and say now nah, you haven't earned it yet yeah you're gonna challenge me earn it you haven't earned it yet just because you won some cheesy tournament against some other people that aren't even on this show you haven't earned it yet and have 
dream go out and beat people like Ricochet and Adam Cole, former champions, and, and work his way up to it, and Gargano just keep ducking him until TakeOver, I think, and then Dream went in at TakeOver, I think that would have been a much, much better story than just coming out and say, eh, I'm not challenging you, I'm challenging him. Well, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have a way to do it, but it wouldn't really wouldn't make any sense considering the fact he had a guaranteed title shot. Yeah, but... I mean, I mean what, what, what would have worked better is if, you know, Dream, you know, the match starts and right away Gargano hits him with a chair to get himself disqualified. And then says he don't deserve it. Yeah, that would have yeah. worked. That would have yeah. made more. I just, I think, I think taking it off him, off Gargano, just after the year he had in 2018, is such a huge misstep. Step. Is there anybody outside of maybe Ricochet that's hotter in Impact right? Or I'm sorry, in NXT right now than Johnny Gargano? Well, there's Ciampa too. But even as a heel, Gargano gets more. Uh, I, or I don't want to say long, but is, he a, but, but is he? But is he a heel? He's more of a tweener. He's he's more of the Stone Cold, like Stone Cold was back in the nineties. Right. He's he's a character. Yeah. He's not. He's not a heel. He's not a face. He's just kind of like what they were trying to do with Roman Reigns uh, two years ago, where he's like he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just a guy. The guy. Yeah. Or no, the man. He's not. He's not a bad man. He's not a good man. He's just the man. And, it, you know, that was kind of the angle it looked like they were taking with Gargano, which I think would have been amazing. Having Gargano just say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go up against anybody, I don't care. But just, I don't know. I, I, it angered me to a point because I thought it was such a huge misstep. And, and as much as I love Velveteen Dream, as much as I like the matches that those two put on together, I still think it was just a misstep having him win it this early. Well, I, right. And, and like I said, I think it was too, unless he drops it back to Gargano in the next couple of weeks, you know, because, because, because then you've got, then you've got a story and Gargano's got a couple more months to carry the title until, until takeover. And the other misstep that I think is happening. And um, I, we're going to kind of move on here to the main roster for a brief second. Holy crap. I Why? No, we don't cover the main roster on this show. <sighs> But the reuniting of DIY. Don't care. It's just this. It's happening on the main roster, so I don't care. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll move on. All right. So, um, so, so moving on to uh, Honor Rising, which happened this weekend. Do you want to go there? Or do you want to talk about MLW right now? Uh, no, I want to talk about Honor Rising just because okay. just because I'm looking at it right now, and, and we can talk. We can close with with MLW because it, right, it sounds good. All right, so um, one thing I want to say about after watching these these shows is that I'm really I'm really starting to to, to gain a real appreciation for Jonathan Gresham. Um, you know, it's been it's kind of been Fuck kind of you. Thrilling. I hate that you said that because I wanted to say that, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it annoys me because of how much we hated him towards the middle middle to the end of last year. Right, and he started he started to build on us. What was it? Uh, uh, was it? Death Before Dishonor? Uh, yeah, those Take shows. And, right, and then also during the... Um, uh, I can't think of... The Survival of the Fittest shows, too, and the Global War shows. And it's one match on Defiant. Right. 
you know, but you're right. I was gonna I was gonna say that too. That was the first thing I was gonna say was about Jonathan Gresham and how he's starting to grow on me. So you know what? Fuck you. Finish your statement. <laughs> I was going to say basically what you said is that, you know, we thought he was boring as hell last year and, you know, partly because of that match against, against lethal, but also because he really didn't have much of a personality and he, and he, he had bored me in most of the matches I'd seen him in, but pretty much ever since that, you know, match against lethal, like he came out, you know, you know, he, he challenged Boldy Ray, showed some great character there. And then he's been showing character in his matches. He's been really doing some fun stuff in his matches lately. And I've just really enjoyed him. So, I mean, I, I, I totally can endorse him now being a top contender in Ring of Honor because he's just shown me so much over the last four months or so. Well, not just that. He's shown us a ridiculous amount of character in um, tag matches. But the clinic that he put on with ZSJ at Final Battle... Yeah, that was awesome. I don't give a shit if it was a 10-minute match. That was well, a... Cl- it was a tw- it, that was a wrestling clinic those two put on, and it was one of the easily one of the best matches of the last year. So if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. John Gresham was great. He was, and 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 even against Robbie Eagles, um, and in, in the match again on a Saturday or Friday, I suppose it was, you know where where Liger got a got a quick pin on Ishimori when those two guys got tagged in, but before that, Eagles and Gresham were just fantastic together, and. And I thought he was great in the tag match on um, on Saturday as well. I mean, he was just and 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 what really I guess struck me there is that this wasn't him doing tag team stuff. This was him going one on one against other guys and making it very entertaining during the time he was in there. Um, you know, this wasn't where he was like you know taking advantage of the multi man format. This was him going one on one solo against the guy before you know the tags were made and stuff. So I mean that I think that was really what kind of shown to me that. I'm really into Jonathan Gresham, period, not just when he's in multi-man situations. Well, and that, and that was the biggest thing that we talked about is how his chemistry with uh, Lethal when they were in a tag team match together and his chemistry when um, he was with, uh, what, CCB. Um, was, it was great chemistry with his partner, but I, I agree with you. His, his, the way that he performed against Robbie Eagles literally – made me want to see a Robbie Eagles versus Jonathan Gresham match full length. Right. Not, not a take team. I want to see these two just go. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm really starting to like Robbie Eagles, but more so that Jonathan Gresham just looked really, really good. Really good. Yeah, I, I, love, I, I would love for both of those guys to be in the, this year's Best of the Super Juniors tournament. I hope they are. Me too. Um, another another takeaway, and this this came out in night one, and it was kind of, and I haven't seen the full match yet because you told me to make sure I watch these tag team matches. So I'm going to go back after the show and watch Marty Skrull versus Robbie Eagles. I just think that's going to be a phenomenal match, and I didn't get a chance to see it. But I mentioned this last week about how in Ring of Honor there is no question that Marty Skrull is the most popular guy in Ring of Honor right now. Right. Uh, other, gets, other, than, other than maybe Cheeseburger. No. I, and fuck you. No. I don't like him either, dude, but I mean, he gets a huge pop from the crowd. Every he time. does. He does, but does he get a bigger pop than Marty Skrull does? I think, well, I think he, I think that Marty Skrull gets a huge pop for his entrance, but, but I think Cheeseburger gets a bigger pop overall. Main only because of 
the fact that he's that lovable loser Mickey White, uh, Mickey Whipwreck type guy. It doesn't matter why. But yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, it's hard for me to say that because I, I mean, I think... mean, I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at it with uh, like other things, like I don't think she's going to sell like a lot of T-shirts <laughs> compared no, to Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull is going to sell it. Marty uh, Cheeseburger to me is that guy that uh, he's like the Brooklyn Brawler of the old WWF days. He's that lovable loser that people just get behind because he loses. He gets his ass kicked, but he's such that. Well, I guess Brooklyn Brawler was a bad, you know, characteristic, but. You know, just that small guy who gets his ass kicked all the time. I think Mikey Whipwreck was the the best um, analogy for the way Cheeseburger is. Is look at how look at how Mikey Whipwreck got over. It's a guy that had no offense, none, not one offensive move. He just went in, and got his ass kicked, and then would pull up a roll roll up at the end of the match. And he got so over with the ECW crowd that he was undeniable. They had to put the belt on him. You're uh, you are, are showing some very repressed homosexual tendencies right now, my friend. Yeah, I get you, it. You, you said "fuck you" to me twice, <laughs> and and then you talked about somebody getting somebody getting his ass kicked while also doing a push up, and then he had to have the belt put on him. So a I mean, push up. That's what you said. Pushing a up. Roll up. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah you said rolling up. All right. Hit and, then you said, and then you said put the and then you said put the belt on him. So you know I, I I'm not sure you know. So to me it sounds like you had somebody's pants pulled down. You're pushing something up. The, you're rolling something up their ass, and then you had them pull their pants up and, and strap the belt back on. Are you smoking your pipe again? <laughs> I am not. You clearly did not get the analogy. Well, I, I was just I was just too busy trying to put together the fact that you said "fuck you" twice to me, so you're obviously repressing something. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's what it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, we <laughs> talked about Marty Skrull last week and how he's he's got to be probably one of the most over guys in Ring of Honor, and and I would argue that he is the most over guy at Ring of, in Ring of Honor. Um, but to see him come out in night one against nobody opening the opening the sh- doesn't she work tonight what is she doing home no she doesn't work mondays anymore so she was doing but she didn't deliver chinese tonight what oh, fuck anyway um the pop that marty scroll got opening the show and for a japan crowd that's amazing cuz i we've had this discussion before about how you know they really don't start to get excited until you start to get to the main events. They popped mm-hmm. hard for Marty Skrull when he came out. They popped hard for him throughout the match, and they popped hard for him when he won. For a Japan crowd on the opening show, that was huge. Sorry, I guess I had nothing else there. Well, I, I, it's just your it's just your weekly Marty Skrull rant, so I thought I would just I would thought I would just be silent. Oh, stop! I haven't done a Marty Skrull rant in a few weeks. Few out, a few minutes maybe. Well, come on, it's Marty Skrull. I know, but well, every, sure. every every week you find something to praise about him. So I just I just thought because this week I would just be the silent treat silent treatment because he's a phenomenal athlete that does amazing things in the ring. Yeah, I, I, and you probably have your pants down every time you're watching him. I do. Not so. We're not going to talk about that. 
Fuck off. <laughs> he was in. I, he was in. He was in two basically nothing matches on the on these cards. You know. And I and I agree. And but the fact that he got that he got the pops that he did in basically nothing matches in Japan, in opening matches where that just normally doesn't happen. To me, that showed a lot of how over this guy really is. And 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 would you be saying anything if this had been um, like Rob the Eagles that got those those same reactions? Yeah, yeah, I probably would have been. Cause no, I, you, no, you wouldn't have been because you always find something to praise about Marty Scurll every single week. And it, and you know, I like Marty, but I mean, the way that you, the way that you rave on him, kind of makes me not want to like him. Oh, I hate you now. You know what, Marty sucks. Are you gonna like him now? <laughs> Will that make you like him? If that's what it takes to get this motherfucker over, that's what I'm gonna do. No, I like him just fine, but you're making me want not want to not like him. You're one of those guys, aren't you? Well, if I were if I were raving about somebody every single week, wouldn't you wouldn't you start like being like, dude, he's not as good as, he's not as good as you think he is. <clears throat> Adam Page, <clears throat> hang on. <clears throat> yeah, but you agree with me on Adam Page, so you can't even go there. <laughs> right. So I'm just saying. But 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 do you, but, but but it, it might, but I'm not mentioning Adam Page on every on every week. How great he is. You already mentioned him four times this week. I mentioned him as being. Wait, did I mention him at all? Yes, you did a couple times. I don't think so. We were talking about the the people that AEW has brought in. Okay, so I mentioned him in the in the case of. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I, do you do you hear me going on here going? I don't understand what the hell they're doing with him on being the elite. He's not fat. Those assholes. No, I'm not saying that. You know, speaking of that. Billy Gunn is hilarious. That episode where he was sitting in there and, and Cody was like, you know, tell this guy he's, you know, he's out of shape, and he just looks at him and goes, "You're fat." Bad. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, very tactful. Yeah, it's, it made me kind of miss Billy Gunn. I'm not gonna lie. Well, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that he that he gets a fellow that he gets another producer helping him out very shortly. Um, since WWE decided to part ways with one of the greatest minds in the history of fucking professional wrestling this week. Right? Why would you do that? Why, and especially, why would you do that two days before the goddamn 70th anniversary or 70th birthday celebration of, of his supposed best friend? You know? Right? Unbelievable. I, I just, it, fucking that, unbelievable. <laughs> when I saw that come across, I mean, you look at the other releases, and, and we knew Ty Dillinger was coming, and TJP was kind of a shock, but... Maybe, well, and, maybe you know Ty, Ty Dillinger was coming, but that just goes right back to your whole uh, repressed oh thing. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, Ty Dillinger got released. Uh, TJP, which was kind of a shock, he, he, got released. He's always, he's always been a perfect 10 in your eyes, hasn't he, Jeff? Well, yeah. Would you stop? Let's get this back on the rails here. I, you're the one that's supposed to keep this on the rails, not me. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that tonight. It went off the rails the second Skype decided you, that you didn't deserve to have an account anymore. For the third time in two weeks? Yeah. Fucking assholes. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Are, are we saying anything that matters at this point? Well, well I mean, TJP apparently was released for, dis- for uh, disciplinary reasons, whatever the fuck that means. I just, I don't and, think and, he ever really, he never really fit the WWE mold. I'm just going to say that 
you know, outright. From day one when I saw the guy, I never thought he really fit what they were looking for. Yeah, and I love Kenta, but I, I don't know how much he really still has left in the tank, although, although he did look very good in that fatal four-way, I thought, at Royal Rumble. Um, and then, you know, I've never seen anything in Ty Dillinger. So. And I know, just, I know you, he's I know, got I know, a lot of charisma. I know he just have, has a lot of charisma. He, 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 it, pretty much, he pretty much ruined watching WWE wrestling for me by himself. So He doesn't... I, I haven't seen him actually do a match long enough to... where it hasn't been all about character work to really say how good he is in the ring. But he has an insane amount of charisma. And I just think he's a guy that, that if given the right push and the right chance, I think could make it. And he's a guy that I that I have wished out of existence many times because of the whole ten because of the whole ten chant thing. I kind of like the ten. I, I like the I like the whole mindset behind the perfect ten. I don't like the fact that the crowd s- starts chanting ten every time the referee is counting. Well, that's because well, yeah, there's a lot of things I don't like about the crowd. Yeah, but but, but where are we gonna where are we gonna go with that? I mean, there's so but, many but things it, about the crowd I don't like. But, but if he hadn't existed, that never would have started, and then you could actually know what, what count the referee's on when he's doing a count-out. Well, that one chant wouldn't have started, but they would have just started saying what after every number, and we'd still be lost. Um, what? No, I don't think so. What? No, what? I don't think so. No. What? what? Tell you what, if you, if you say what again, then your mom's a whore. My mom's dead, man. That doesn't mean she can't be a whore. Wow, <laughs> you're brutal to the best. Why do I, I like you? <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know what you hire outer, hire outer remains for. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I like your wife. I like. Apparently, she's siding with you now. I like your wife being at home more than I. <laughs> She adds so much to this crap that we do every week. <laughs> so did you finish? Watch, did you finish watching the Osprey Castle match? By the way. Yeah, and I actually was really impressed with it. Yeah, it was really good. I I enjoyed that match a lot more than I thought I was going to. I mean, I knew Dalton Castle would be great, but I'm I still haven't been sold completely on the new Will Osprey. But I think after this match, I might be. I think he did a great job of selling himself as a heavyweight and, you know, this methodical go through the moves, but he still mixes in his high flying ability. I think it's, he's finally nailed this new character that he needs. And I think you need to go back and watch the Osprey match versus uh, Jay Lethal because it's exactly the same Osprey that we saw in this one. You know, and the worst fucking thing about that is I've been a Jay Lethal fan for a very long time and I still defend his ass and you hate him. But you're telling me to go back to watch one of the worst matches on on, on Bond by Honor I think there ever was. That's before Dishonor. One of them. I don't know. And, and no, it, it was a great match. You just you just didn't see it because it's not the Osprey you were looking for. Now that it's the Osprey you're looking for, you're going to really enjoy it. I promise you. And, that, and that's a possibility. That truly is a possibility. But now I am sold on this new Will, on this new Will Osprey. And maybe it's because of the the person he was in there against. Like when when he faced Lethal, we were not looking for a heavyweight Will Osprey. We were looking for that normal 
flipping, doing whatever he can, Will Ospreay, that we've always gotten. And even against Kodai Bushi, I still wasn't sold on him as this guy. But seeing the way that he was against uh, against Dalton Castle, where Dalton Castle is more of that ground and pound, he, he keeps everything close to the mat type, type of wrestler. To see the performance they put on, to me, was just phenomenal. Yeah, I thought it was really I, good. I really enjoyed this match a lot, a lot more than I probably should have. And I think I'm really going to enjoy Osprey as never open weight champion. I mean, I'm hoping that he holds it most of the year because I, I think we're really going to see a, a nice blend of styles with him. Well, um, first of all, first of all, before we get too far, I need to give a shout out to Kevin Kelly. Um, he did a great job, especially in night one. I haven't watched much of night two. I just watched those two tag matches. I'm going to go. Well, actually, I watched Lethal versus TKO Ryan and then the two tag matches. So I've got to go back and watch some of the, the other stuff before that. But in night one, Kevin Kelly was amazing with putting over Ring of Honor. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that, that they're they're really the reason he's, that he's back in pro wrestling right now. So I mean, I, even though even though they had a falling out and all that stuff, and you know, I think I think that it's great that he is he still has a love for that promotion. And he just did he did every single match. It was almost like it was a I was watching a Ring of Honor match, not or a Ring of Honor production, not an NJPW. Well, especially the second night when Cole Cabana took took over some of the some of the color commentator stuff. It was it was really nice hearing those two together again. I'm not it was. gonna lie. Yeah. It, they they have such great chemistry together, and it was almost like it, it kind of threw me off a little bit because it's like, okay, now which announcing team do I like better? Do I like Don Callis and Kevin Kelly or Cole Cabana and Kevin Kelly? Because they're both fucking amazing. Yeah. Um and. And the other thing with, you know, I, th- I thought this was a great match, but the other thing with Osprey this weekend was it was amazing seeing him get Jeff Cobb up in the Stormbreaker. Yes, it was. He is. It, it, uh, and that Stormbreaker looks like it's fucking hard to deal with, like hard to actually get anybody up in. But he does it with such ease that it, it just at the end of a match, you know, you put on a 20 minute clinic and you're throwing a 300 plus pounder up in that stormbreaker. That's mm-hmm. amazing strength. Well, and the other thing is that I think that I think the one he did on Jeff Cobb looked better than the one he did on Castles. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. it was like, it was like, it was like, holy shit. You know? And Castle looked really good too. Which, I mean, not a surprise, but considering the fact that of all the injuries he went through last year, to come back and in February he's looking this good already. Yeah, the only the only, th- the only thing with Castle that I would say is that he didn't really seem to be selling his current um, kind of losing streak frustrated guy very much in, in, on these two shows. You know, I mean, he, I he think, lost I I think he lost both matches, but we didn't re- but we didn't really see him continuing with kind of his downward spiral type stuff. I think because he didn't have the real boys with him was part of it, and the fact that he was in a different promotion was part of it. I think had these been legit Ring of Honor shows, it would have been a different story. But they were being sold as Ring of Honor shows in Japan. In Japan, yeah, but not in the States. In the States, they were sold as as Japan shows, New Japan shows. So I I think that had more to do with it than we really want to let on, is that he hasn't, as much as we like Dalton Castle, he hasn't really mastered the Cody level of brand separation. The other thing, the other thing I would say about 
these shows about this particular show is that I really think that Jeff Cobb and Hiro Goto have a great match between you know in them somewhere. But just but, wasn't, but, but, just wasn't but, this but, week. But the two matches we've seen of them so far in the last six months or so have been good, but the, but neither one of them have been great. They haven't think, hit that next level. They have not, and I and you know it's, it seems like they're they they haven't hit that fifth gear or even maybe even the fourth gear in their matches. And I and I really I mean like I said it's, they haven't been bad. They've been good. But I, I think that they've got a four to five star match in them. We just haven't seen it yet. Okay. Now, stay with me for a second here. But Jeff I always Cobb, do, Jeff. You know how I keep things rolling on the on the rails all the time. Yeah, I know. But we got Jeff Cobb and Goto. We've seen them now twice. Not one time have we seen Shibata versus Ishii. That's what these two are capable of, is Shibata versus Ishii from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Or was it 10? Uh, 10, I think. That's the kind of showing these two are capable of, where you can walk away from it and go, holy fuck, I need to go to the doctor. I'm hurt. And we haven't seen that out of these two yet. Is they, it, it almost like, it's almost like they're holding back for something better later on, instead of just giving us what we all want now. Make sense at all? No, yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that I see it that way necessarily because I, I think I think we're looking at more like trying to think trying to think of another comparison. Um, well, and I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's the kind of match they can deliver. Right, right. but I'm but but I see I don't see I don't see Goto. I mean I, I mean I do see Goto there. I, I don't see Cobb in the same way that I see either Ishii or. Um, Shibata in. See, I, and with the way Ring of Honor was selling him in the beginning, with the whole breaking the bracket and beating Punishment Mart. Speaking of Punishment Martinez, we'll get to that in a second. But um, with the way that Jeff Cobb just dominated coming in, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of Ishii in him. Now I don't see Shibata in go to. In go to, I see more Ishii in go to. Goto. Goto. Um, <laughs> Go to Jesus Christ! Um, I see a lot more. Go-to. I see a lot more Ishii in him, but I just seeing those two together, it makes me think of every time I see those two in the ring together. It makes me think of that one match, which to me, I'm having. A, I was going back thinking of my um, probably top ten matches of all time, and that one kept jumping into the top five. Oh, every yeah, time, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Every time I would think of a match, I'd be like, hey, but what about this one? You know, what about this Ishii versus Shibata match? You know, and ultimately, I, I want to say that's my maybe second or third favorite match of all time. But Well, see, I can't go there with that because I, cause, cause to me, Kenny Omega has had my top four favorite matches of all time now. And see, I I still can't... Me personally, and I'm going to be the dickhead here because me personally, I think that the first Omega uh, um, Okada match had a few too many missteps for me, a few too many, um, it, just not enough time. They went, at, what, almost an hour? And they 40, still had... 40, 46 minutes and 45 seconds. Right, and they still didn't have enough selling time between big moves to new offense. 
that was a big that was the biggest drawback on that match for me. And then their second one I thought was amazing, but it didn't live up to the first one. The first one to me was still better. The third one was the best of the trio. And while I want to say it's an amazing match, it's still not top three for me. The only one that I will say is is top five. Actually, you know what? I wouldn't even say top five. The only one of his matches that I would say is top five, and I'm not taking anything away from Kenny Omega because he is flat out amazing, and they put on great matches. But that tag match that he had with Bushi as the Golden Lovers against Okada and Ishii, that's a top five all-time match for me. Wait, wait, wait. You're putting that one above the Young Bucks match? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I thought, I mean, I love the Young Bucks match. I love the storyline. But I thought when you looked at the way Okada was getting back to his heel days, but not completely turning and teasing that turn, and you had Omega and Ibushi just being the golden lovers, and you had Ishii as the, as the, the kind of guy that athletically didn't belong, but was still there to, to finish everybody off. The story that they told throughout the entire match, the, the way that it ended, that to me was a perfect tag team match. You don't get that many times. I mean, that to me, my, still my all-time favorite match, and I know you're going to disagree because you hated it, but was uh, Chi-Town Rumble with uh, the cage match with uh, Steamboat and Flair. I didn't my, hate that, and it wasn't a cage match. I'm thinking of the cage match, not the Chi-Town Rumble. Sorry, my bad. Which cage match? Uh, the second one, the one that went to an hour-long draw. No, I'm saying that Flair and Steamboat didn't have a cage match. So what cage yeah, they did, didn't they? No. I've got to look this shit up. Anyway, what? Okay, Chi Town Rumble was the one Ch- that Ch- went Rumble to was, drop, right? No, Chi Town Rumble was when was where Steamboat won the title from Flair, and then they had their sixty minute draw on a Clash That's of the cool. Champions. Okay, yep, you're right, you're right. And then, and then they and then they had that weird match where the winner was going to be decided by. Um, by judge, by judge, if they if it went to a draw. Well, their sixty minute draw was the one that I I personally think is my all time favorite. Okay. And then I would have to go Steamboat, uh, Savage from WrestleMania three. And then honestly, as much as I hate to say this, I'm gonna go with the Golden Lovers versus like Okada and Ishii as my third favorite all time match. Wow. And that's and and that completely goes against my last year's match things because I still I had Okada versus Skrull as my favorite all time of last year, and right now I'm gonna, going back and watching them and that's the thing is I went back and watched them, and watching them for that second time, as much as I loved Okada versus Skrull at All In, I that that tag match was so perfect, it was just perfect. Yeah, I mean it was it was really really good. I mean I'm not sure it was perfect, but I do want to go back and rewatch it because that's one of the matches I did not go back and rewatch before we did our our match list last year. Um, I just kind of ran out of time when I was trying to watch all those matches that week to to get to get them uh, in line. But I mean, I remember loving it at the time and saying that it was um, you know it was kind of a genre defining 
tag match. So I, I can see, I guess, why you have it up there. I, I, I mean, I, but but for me, the the Kenny the Omega series versus Okada are one, two, and three, and then Omega versus Naito from the semifinals uh, or the blo- I suppose the B block finals of the 2016 G1 is my fourth, and I, and I don't know what would come after that, but I mean those to me are the are, are just all all four of those just completely blew my mind when I watched them. I just I, my only problem is there were too many things that took me out of it. Like it's it's hard for me to watch a guy get dropped. Like we had this discussion with the um, Champa versus Black match. It's hard for me to watch a guy get dropped on his face three times in a row and get up and do an offensive move. And I, I had that same feeling, especially in that first Okada Omega match. And I remember saying to you, you I mean, you told me you watch this greatest match ever. Watch it, watch it. And I, I finally watched it. And the first thing I said to you is, I don't get it. <laughs> Why is that a six and a half star match? I wouldn't even, I, at the time, when I... Well, very, that, well, that, when was, I, well, that, was, well that was only a six star match. But I, I was saying, why is this above a five-star match? Because it, it just, to me, there was not enough. For a match that went that long, I could get it if it was a 15- or 20-minute match to have quick transitions like that. But for a match to go that long and not sell those big power moves longer than they did is what took me out of it. And that's, a, and that's a personal opinion. I mean, that's not, you know, I, I'm probably in the minority on, on the way the match goes, but for me, that's what took me out of it. No, I mean, I, I no, I mean, I, I've definitely seen that opinion out there. So, I mean, it's not just you, but it, it's just your person, but it is your taste. I mean, it's, but to me, I mean, I was lost in the drama, but I, and I didn't think about those things. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, and you know, honestly, and I know what, and I know some of this is just probably just me being prisoner of the moment. If I went back and watched other things, I probably would, I would possibly change my opinion. But I mean, to me, Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa from Takeover New Orleans would probably be the other match in my top five. For me, it would be their first match from that first Takeover Brooklyn. No, that was Takeover New Orleans was their first match. Was that New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, I mean, technically their first match was. At the Cruiserweight Classic, like a like six months. Yeah, but that, that, that doesn't that doesn't count. Yeah, I'm talking well, about after they started to hate each other. When right. you first when you first saw that evil side of, Ch- of uh, Gargano, I think that that match to me is in my top five as well. Yeah. So I mean, and and in you know Rich Latta, who does um, the One Nation Radio podcast, which will be on tomorrow night on on Lords of Pain, he has said that that is the greatest WWE match of all time, and I have, and, I, and I and I and I have a hard time arguing with that. I and I can't go there because I'm still a big Savage Steamboat fan. To me, that is still the greatest WWE match of all time. See, and and when, and when I think when I think about, it, I mean, the, just that for me would challenge that would be. Um, Michaels versus Undertaker, WrestleMania 25, which is always going to hold a special place for me because I was there. Um, and, you know, Austin versus Brett at WrestleMania, what, 14, 13? 13, I think. And, 13. It was 13, and, yeah. And then uh, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2013. And I mean, to be uh, honest... To be honest, I like the CM Punk versus Undertaker better than the Brock Lesnar match. I thought you and I both agree that the CM Punk Undertaker match was three stars at best. No, 
No, it had it had more drama, and I loved the whole um, devil thing that CM Punk was playing throughout the match, stealing the ashes and everything. And you I and just, you lo- and you loved that that uh, Undertaker just n- completely no sold the the GTS and completely powered him powered his way out of the um, Anaconda Vice because I cannot forgive those things. But whatsoever. he's the dead man. I don't give a shit. He feels no pain. I don't give a shit. I'm just giving you shit, man. <laughs> yeah, that, then that's why that's why I couldn't get it. And I remember talking about it, and you and you agreed with me. It was a three star match, and, and all. What's that? I I did agree. I was just trying to get your goat up here. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I definitely agreed with that. Okay, jackass. <laughs> would I, would I do that? Would I do that kind of stuff to you? Yes. Okay. Without even thinking twice. <laughs> You've done it like 15 times tonight. Well, you know, at least I haven't said that fucking Chuck Taylor's your favorite wrestler. Well, no, I do have that up on you. And by the way, Chuck Taylor is becoming one of my favorite wrestlers. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he is he's a really talented guy. Really talented guy. Yes, I agree. But uh, but he's not but he's not going to he's not one of my, you know, in my top whatever. He's and I don't think he's ever going to be there as long as he's in this tag team with Trent. But I think if that guy were to break away and become like a mid-card guy, he could easily become my Randy Savage. Easily. I think he's that talented and that he's got that much charisma. What do you mean, what do you mean he's become your Randy Savage? Well, like we talked about this a couple weeks ago about how you, you go through time and um, – in the early 80s, my guy was Ric Flair. There was nobody better than Ric Flair. Ric Flair was the guy I tuned in every week to watch. And then it was Randy Savage. And Randy okay. Savage, I had to watch Randy Savage. If, you know, if, there, if he was on TV, I was glued to it. Then it was Bret Hart. Then it was Diamond Dallas Page. Then it was, uh, you know, in the early half of 2000s, it was Cena. Then it was Randy Orton. And then it was AJ Styles. And then, you know, now we get to a point where uh, there's so many guys out there that I, I can't pick a favorite wrestler. I mean, I do talk up Marty Skrull a lot, but I also talk up ZSJ. I talk up um, Teddy Hart, who we're going to get to here in a couple of minutes. I, you know, I talk up all of these wrestlers that it's hard for me now to say who my absolute favorite is. But throughout time, there's always been that one guy who's my favorite. And I seriously think that Chuck Taylor could become that kind of Randy Savage type guy where he is going to be somebody's favor. Huh. Okay. I see it in him. I see that in him. I don't know. No, I, I can see that. Well, see what, what I was wondering is if you were, is if you were trying to like compare him to, to Randy Savage, um, simply because you know, that there for so long, um, there were there was you know people out there saying that we're gonna we're never gonna get another Randy Savage, but I think we have one. Oh, I just think I just think WWE just completely fucked him over, and that's why he's leaving. You know, what I mean, I mean, to, I mean, to, I mean to me, and and I said this on Chad's podcast um, when he and I were going over the top ten of um, his first the, his first book, the WrestleMania era. You know, so he had said he had said in there that. Um, he didn't think there'd be another Randy Savage, and, and I think, and I thought we already had one at that point, and I and I think he's proved that over the years is that, 
one of the most creative, one of the most creative old school guys in wrestling that can do pretty much anything is Dean Ambrose. Yep. And, and, and I was, I, and I, and to me, he, to me, he is the newest, you know, the new Randy Savage. And I remember we had a podcast. Um, it was back in the old show that we did where we did, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, we talked a lot of WWE and wrestling, but we also talked like Marvel comics and TV shows and things like that. Basically anything that would, uh, keep a geek up at night. Um, Oh man! Now, now you have me. Now you have me remembering how much we loved Jessica Jones for the first eight episodes, and then hated really? it after that. Remember that? How much? I mean, yeah. we were after eight episodes. We're glowing about how this is the greatest show we've ever watched, and then next week we're on like, oh my god, that sucked. That was terrible. But um, I remember <laughs> we had we had a podcast then when I was talking up Dean Ambrose and saying the same thing about how this is the next Randy Savage. He has got so much charisma. He's got so much talent. He can do whatever he wants in that ring and make it look great. And I remember saying it back then. And you actually had told me that, uh, cause it was one of the lost episodes that we used to have back then. And uh, I remember you telling me that all you remember from the episode was a lot of Dean Ambrose love out of me. Oh, Okay. And at that time, it's like that's that was the same thing I was saying is that Dean Ambrose has so much talent he could easily be the next Randy Savage. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of I kind of went off there. Sorry. Yeah, I don't I don't remember you saying that, but I but I certainly feel that feel that he really is. Um, and and you know I, and I think that really I mean if you look at Seth Rollins, he's got a lot of Randy Savage in him too. Um, but it, but it's, it's basically like Randy Savage combined with Shawn Michaels combined with Bret Hart. You know, I mean, there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of factors to um, to Seth Rollins really. Where with Ambrose, there's just that crazy factor, right? You know, that Savage perfected. Yeah, and and, and, guy, and, and, and and also a guy that you apparently hate has a lot of Randy Savage in him too, and that's Kenny Omega. I don't hate Kenny Omega. Stop. You were just talking about how shitty his matches are. I did not say that. <laughs> I did not say that. Have we taken a break yet? No, we haven't. But well, let's let's just finish. Let's just finish what I wanted to talk about with the Ring of Honor stuff, and then we'll take a break before we talk about Major League Wrestling. Well, finished with that yet? All right. No, because I wanted to talk about the the tag team title situation, which I think oh, fucking yes. sucks. Yeah. Um. I, I am I am am really I would almost, I don't want to say distraught, but I mean I really do not like the fact that Evil and Sonata once again dropped the tag team titles to go, to God. Um, I I think that's ridiculous. I think it sucks. Um, they you know they didn't really get their great one last year that they should have because of Evil's injury, and now they have their legs cut out from under them by having to drop them to the shitty team of Girls of Destiny. Um, and I, and I don't understand the point of it. I mean, I mean, they they win the titles at Wrestle Kingdom only to lose them in their first title defense to the same team that were the champions coming in. So what was the point of there being a title change? You know, the only thing I can think is that they wanted to sell the fact that uh, why why can't I think of the initials? Ingrenables. Um Los Ingrenables. Yeah. Lij. 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 The only thing I can think is they wanted to sell the fact that Lij was had all the gold, with the exception of that one belt. Otherwise, it made no sense for them to win the belts. Yeah, that, that's that, and I feel exactly the same way. I think it's ridiculous. The fact that they lost, and 
I mean, it, and, and, it, and honestly, I would much rather see the Briscoes against against um, Evil and Sonata than I would see the Briscoes against God again. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think I'm right there with you. I would re- much rather see that. But the fact that um, <sighs> Evil and Sonata looked this match was a, it, considering God was in there, and I'm right there with you. I cannot stand God. I think that they just rely too much on their power moves, not enough on actual drama. And Tangaloa but, can't do. And Tangaloa is just horrible in, in general. Yeah, he he makes a good heel, but he'd make a good heel manager more than he does a good heel wrestler. Right. Um. And, and the yeah. other thing was that Red Shoes had to pretend that he was completely blind and make that three count, pretend that he couldn't see directly in his vision that um, that Gato was holding evil back with the uh, kendo stick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was another thing that I had to I wanted to bring up is the fact that. Um, the ending of that match with that super power bomb, the fact that it took Evil that much time struggling to get into the ring, and Red Shoes didn't realize there was something going on, mm-hmm. and the setup for that super power bomb was insanely long. Mm-hmm. Like that seemed to take a, a good minute, minute and a half to set that up, which that should be a good thirty second move. Yeah, and you've got evil on the outside of the apron trying to get back in the whole time and it it just looked out of place it didn't look like that that any of that belonged there i completely agree it was it was very poorly executed and um and i think it's a i think it's a mistake and and, and it, it it almost solidifies the fact that we're not going to see a title change at the anniversary show which i was kind of expecting unless what this is doing is you know setting up you know the Briscoes to get their shot at the at the IWGP Heavyweight Titles, even though they may not be the ROH Tag Team Champions coming in, which is certainly possible. And that was another but, thing that I mean, we'll get to that in the next match. But I, you know, to close up on on these two, to be honest, there was it was a good match, but there were a lot of things where I was like, huh? Like, why would Sonata when he had Briscoe, or it was a J, or was it, it was J? Had him completely passed out. No, not Jay. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Sonata had uh, um, Tamatanga. Tamatanga, yeah. Completely passed out. And he lets it go? Seriously? But he's been, but he, but he, but he's been doing that a lot lately. But seriously, I and mean, this is not a normal tag team match. This is not just, why would you let that go? This is the tag team belts on the line. And you're going to go for a flashier move when you've already got it won? If he held on to that move for three seconds longer, they would have won that match. The storytelling there, to me, was just brutal because of that one move. Yeah, but like I said, he's been doing that in, in a lot of his matches lately. It's, it's not, this is not a one-time thing. If there's a one-time thing that I, could, that I could understand that, I mean, that's what he's been doing is using the skull end to set up the moonsault. Yeah, and I think it's a bad, bad move. Um, and, and just... the other... Yeah, I mean, and... Uh, the other thing, the other thing I wanted to say is that you know there was six titles on the line on these two shows, and I would have been okay with any other one of the championships changing hands, but this one I, I just hate that the, that, it, that the title changed. See, and I, the only other one I would not have been okay with would have been the Ring of Honor chan- uh, tag teams changing hands, because the next title f- defense was supposed to go to Villain Enterprises, and Finjuice got it. Well, no, they're 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 shot at, at the anniversary show, right? Right. 
Yeah. I mean, they do, but, you know, and that was another thing that kind of took me out of it. And, I mean, I guess we can move on to that match real quick because we got to get a commercial break in here before we actually end the show. Um, but the whole thing with uh, um, Briscoe's, now I'm lost. What the hell? Oh, challenging uh, GOD on mm-hmm. April 6th. Is that pretty much guarantees that they're going to win at the anniversary show? Right, and and that's what I thought was really stupid. Unless, like I said, this is, is, was a way to set up the Briscoes getting an IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match, even if they're not the ROH champions coming in. And that's a possibility, but the way they made it sound with the title versus title, because you could easily see an angle where G.O.D. pulls out because they don't have the titles anymore. Right. You, know, you could you could because they're assholes. Right. But I'm just saying, that to me, that was a huge, huge misstep and a huge way to give away the end of our, one of the main events of the anniversary show. And... Uh, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and, and backtrack to Marty Skrull just for a second because I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to be very disappointed if the ROH's main event for G1 Supercard is not Marty Skrull versus Matt Taven for the World Championship. I'm going to say the same thing. If Matt Taven doesn't win this at the anniversary show, I'm going to be very disappointed because they have, if, if that's the case, they've ruined an entire year of story building. Right, and and then and then I really want the challenger there, there to be not a rematch between the between uh, Taven and and Lethal. I want it to be Taven versus Skrull. Now you're gonna you're gonna hate me for this, but I will say that the Lethal versus TKO Ryan match was actually pretty good. I thought it was shitty. <laughs> See, I th- and that I think a lot of that's because you hate Lethal so much. No, it's because I saw the same thing in there that you keep mentioning, where that where he he hit several different cutters, and it just happened to be a, you know, this handstand cutter that finally you know got the job done. I was more talking about TKO Ryan's performance than oh. Lethal's. Oh, okay. TKO Ryan to me like stepped up and became a heavyweight in that match. Yeah, I still have problems with him. I, I still have problems with him thinking he's the best around when he's when he loses all his matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then again, I, you're right. I care about winning and losing. Whereas you don't, you think it's ridiculous. Where you think where you, you think that any jobber should be able to come in and win the world championship right off. I the don't. Top, so. I don't think that so much as I think that we put too much emphasis on the winning and losing in a show that is not about winning and losing. All right. Well, with that, we're going to go to commercial break, and we'll be right back to talk about Battle Riot. All right, and we're back. That was a long break. Did somebody have to tinkle? I, yeah, I did have to, and then I was also making out with my wife before I came back on. So. Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> she's, been standing, she's been teasing me a little bit, so I decided I had to tease her back. So. See, now this is why she is better when she's delivering pizzas on Monday nights. Oh, he says you're better at delivering pizzas than Seth. <laughs> well, Melissa's now off Team Jeff. <laughs> He's like, well, Melissa, now off, now off Team Jeff. As long as she's not getting off Team Jeff, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that too as well. So, <laughs> and, and I bet you Susan would be appreciative as well. <laughs> More than likely, yes. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, just 
we we have, we're going to go a little bit longer than usual this week just because we had all those technical difficulties to start the show with. But um, really, the last thing I think we have to cover today is is that I finally got caught up to Battle Riot, um, which was kind of uh, Major League Wrestling's first big kind of like pay-per-view-esque type thing since we've been watching, since we started watching it. So they, Well, since, think, Fusion, since Fusion started. Since Fusion started, right. So like 15 episodes in or something like that. I mean, because there's a War Games episode we have to go back and watch at some point. Right, and I'll get caught up to that as well. But, um, okay. but uh, which, which episode is that? Do you remember? You've got like six or seven after Battle Riot, but I'm talking about um, one from 2000, I want to say three right before they closed the doors oh really yeah they did a um they did a battle riot with the extreme horsemen and remember I, we were talking about how you mean, you mean, um, you mean, you mean war games yeah war games um that we were talking about how they seem to have like this tie-in with ring of honor and all this stuff and and wcw and the nwa and everything um, because and ecw because of the way they were talking well when they got their start in 2002 before people started going to WWE, that was all the place. That was the only place they had to go was MLW, and then MLW closed the doors in like 2005, and they were shut for 10 years, 10, 11 years until they reopened in 2017. Gotcha. So, I mean, they there was a um, War Games event that had the Extreme Horsemen in it against uh, a, like a team MLW that I have this odd feeling was better than the one that we just had. But you've got to watch this one before I can really say much more. So I suppose that one isn't on the YouTube channel, right? It is, but we got to look for it. It's not on the actual MLW Fusion channel, but it, it is available on, um, on YouTube. The one, the one from 2003? Yeah. Well, we should probably, we have, we should probably cover that one too then. Yeah. Um, but... You know, the, what we're covering today is is really Battle Riot, which is which is a. I mentioned earlier, it's it's really a unique concept where it kind of blends a lot of things together. It's it's a lot like um, Aztec warfare, um, but basically more so than anything else. Yes, yeah, I agree. But, but basically, it's 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 got the same type of rules as a as a Royal Rumble, where somebody comes in every every minute, and it's forty people in there. Um, you can and you can eliminate. You can be eliminated by pinfall, submission, knockout, or over the top rope. And then the winner gets um, a title shot anytime they want for the Major League Wrestling World Championship. And there's a, there's only there's a there's a few. First of all, I thought it was a really fun match. Um, oh, it was. I, I really enjoyed the hell out of it, honestly. Um, and I and I love the way that that the, that the booking happened. And I just I just got, was a bit confused by the way that they that they um, I, I don't want to talk about who the winner is yet because we, we wanted to talk about something else that happened in it. Right. Um, but I but I was a bit confused with the, with who they had win it and and the way and the manner in which they did it. Um, See, and to be honest, with the build up going into it, it didn't come as a surprise to me at all. I actually was looking forward to this ending that happened but there was one thing that happened in the match one thing that made me go come on he's not the real winner <laughs> and what that is is well, before, uh, wait before we get to that i need to know 
How was the Swoggle suplexes? I don't remember the Swoggle suplexes, but I, I you do don't remember, remember. You don't remember I, Swoggle coming in and giving like ten German suplexes? No, but I do remember him getting his ass choked out by Tom Lawler and me being like becoming like a huge fan of Tom Lawler right there. <laughs> really, you don't remember the Swoggle suplexes? Come obviously, I, obviously, I blacked them out. Yeah, you must have. I, I like like you said, this match was a lot of fun from the start. There were certain people that um, came into the match throughout, and you were like, okay, yeah, that guy's not go sh- got no shot in hell, kind of like a regular Royal Rumble. There wasn't as much violence as I thought there was going to be. I, I mean, their whole build-up to it was how weapons were legal. Did anybody even use a weapon? Um, not that I remember. I, I mean, Jimmy Havoc wasn't part of it, so there was no weapons there. Well, Jimmy Havoc was in there, wasn't he? Oh, I don't remember I thought, now. I thought he was. And then, um, didn't Sammy Callahan bring a bat with him? Oh, that's right. He did. But it didn't get used. Yeah, okay. It just, it bugged me that they made that big thing about how weapons were legal. And nobody brought a weapon in. Nobody used a weapon. Well, Carmel, well the Carmel Colossus was was in there. And he and he had those big thighs to use as weapons. So oh, I guess my I guess God. What an obnoxious <laughs> character he is. He needs to just get <laughs> off my fucking TV. Jesus well, it's, not, it's not really on your TV anyway. Who was that? He's on my phone. My phone is my TV. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that guy from the mid '90s? King something. Um, King Abel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Barrington Hughes is a larger version of King Mabel, and moves less, and ra- and doesn't rap as well. Exactly. I just. You had said to me that you're you're finding a hard time liking him. I didn't like the guy from the first moment he appeared on my screen. Well, there's something about him that makes me want to like him, but but there's nothing about him that makes me want to like him. <laughs> nothing. He seems like a really nice guy. He could be a nice guy, but he moves like fucking. He dude is a human iceberg. Like you see him. <laughs> you see him setting up moves like six no, 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 minutes no, no, away. No, no, he's a black iceberg. <laughs> Good point. But you see him setting up moves like six minutes before they happen. And his matches are only a minute and a half long. And there was that one match I told you where he was so sloppy that he was supposed to be charging a guy in the corner and he, and he like basically knocked the, ran the referee over on his way over there. I mean, no offense to Barrington Hughes. I mean, the dude has made more out of his life than I will ever will. But come on. Sell him for what he is, not try and make him into something that nobody can believe in. Well, he also ate more in his young, in his young life than you ever will. So. Jesus Christ, he ate more than I have in like 16 years. <laughs> and he did it in three months. <laughs> that was awesome. Well played, sir. Well played. Dude, he's a big guy. Like I said, I'm not taking anything away from him. He is more famous than I will ever be. But Jesus Christ, stop selling this guy like he's something good. Yeah, well, I remember that I was like, I was behind him one day in the drive-thru at McDonald's, and by the and, and then I had to like follow him around because the McDonald's was inside of him. Yeah, because you had to go to Hardee's. <laughs> McDonald's had nothing left. Stop well, no, there was it. no there, there was there was no McDonald's left. All right, let's stop with the fat jokes. <laughs> okay. Let's move. On, let's move on to something real. All right, so I've so, covered all the fat jokes in this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, well, and the other thing was that I mean, it it it, it almost looks like he ate two of Falaba. 
I mean, he's that. That's how big he is. Any, he's, anyway, he's a monster. I mean, seriously, <laughs> he's the kind of guy that you expect the gimmick that he gives him, but his gimmick isn't taking him anywhere. No. His gimmick is not something that we want to see in 2018. It's not like it's 1997 anymore. Or not, you know, Jesus, I wouldn't even say 97, 94. When was, a big was, guy like Yokozuna can come in and just sit on people and win matches. Yeah, I was going to say he's, got, he's kind of got the, uh, the uh, Baron Corbin and NXT push along with the earthquake splash. Right, and Baron Corbin wasn't good until he hit the main damn roster. Anyway, let's let's move on from him, um, and let's move on to. Um, Come on, I know you have more Barrington Hughes jokes in you. I don't want to do. I don't want to do anymore. Let's go. With, let's go with the Carmel Colossus. Come on, what a great fucking nickname that is. <laughs> let's talk about your boy Teddy Hart and what he did in the match. Yes, Teddy Hart. Okay, you go for it. You lead this one. So he comes in. He looks at Tom Lawler, who's the only legal guy in the in the still in the match. Kind of like brushes him off while we're smiling the entire time, and he steps through the ropes, springboards off the top rope, and then he's and then he hits a moonsault on everybody else that's still out there, and then the referees say he's eliminated. Now let's backtrack here. He stepped through the middle ropes. He right. never climbed over the top rope, which means Teddy Hart is still in. The battle right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here because we don't necessarily know what the actual rules are in Major League Wrestling. Maybe going off the top rope is the same as going over the top rope, but um, but it's certainly by any other standard we've ever seen in in a battle royal, he should not have been eliminated. All I know is it pissed me off, and and it kind of played into Teddy's heart character where he just doesn't give a shit about anything, and I I don't know if you're far enough along to see where where I am with Teddy Hart, where this guy is one of, he might be, and it's hard for me not to say it, but he is in, to me, he's a guy that I must watch. He's up there with DSJ. He's up there with Marty Skrull. He's up there with, uh, you know, some of these other guys like Cody and the young bucks and Kenny Omega, where I have to watch. And Hangman Page. And Hangman Page. And to be honest, Johnny Gargano, Thomas John, Thomas yep. Ciampa. Gargano, Ciampa. I mean, these guys that you are, the whole reason we're watching promotions is because of guys like this, like Tom Lawler. Tom Lawler has become one of those guys too. But Teddy Hart to me is, he's, he's an offensive genius. And like you said not too many weeks ago that you love the way he is playing his normal um his stereotype. Yeah. Like like what, like like his like his his uh um oh what's what what word was it? Let's say he's known for being his a reputation. bad egg. He's yeah, known for being a bad egg in in uh in locker rooms. And he's playing off that reputation in MLW and that has become his whole character and it's such an intriguing character. And then when you add in the fact that he's actually really fucking good in the ring. He comes up with moves that I, I literally I have to rewind and watch three or four times. Right. Like, I, I, I don't know if you've, you've gotten back uh, to his uh, – um, he, he reminds me a lot of Phoenix, where Phoenix does it in a different way, 
But Teddy Hart still hits moves that you go, what the f- just happened? And you get, I mean, you get that a lot with Phoenix, and you call him the Re- Phoenix, the Rob Van Dam of, of now. Right. But Teddy Hart, to me, is that same type of wrestler, where he just, he, watching him is so intriguing, because you never know what he's going to do, and then when he does it, you go, holy shit, what did I just see? I got to rewind this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to, to, to getting that. I mean, I remember feeling that way with him in um, ROH, not ROH, but um, TNA, like in 2003, 2004, whenever that, whenever that uh, X Cup tournament was. But, uh, you know, the, the World X Cup. But um, I haven't seen enough of him in, in Major League Wrestling yet, but I, I'm going to get there. Don't worry. Um, and, you know, you talked about Tom Lawler, and he was actually the one that ended up winning this night. And he literally went through all 40 guys, too, because he came in at number five, and there were still the first four guys in there when he, when he got there. And, and I'm not necessarily surprised that he won, but as much as the way that he, the way that he won, um, simply because he had, he had been booked prior to this as being like a sneaky heel-type character, and, he pro- and I'm guessing he probably is still after this. But you know where he where he would win matches by by where he would use win matches by using that steel plate in his in his wrist and everything. Let's put it and, this and way. In, and, and in this, let me keep talking. And in and, and in this one, you know he's he's basically fighting from from beneath. He's showing off his wrestling skills, even when he's got some you know a couple of other members of Team Filthy helping him. It's um. You know, it's it's really you know part of part of that match where you can you can have guys help you out. There's nothing illegal about that. And then he basically is being dominated by Jack Swagger in the pre in the like the last I would say five six minutes of the match, and he somehow he's able to to will himself to victory there. Um, and it's it's and and the other thing was that he was already the number one contender. So what did what did winning that match really do for him? I, I guess was was my other thing with it. I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 so I mean that was the, that was the those are the two things that kind of struck me with it was that it was seemed like it was a complete change in character for him during the match, well, and, and also and and also that he was already the number one contender. So wouldn't it have been better to put, to make that victory go to somebody else? Well, that's what I was uh, I was unfortunately butting in on you saying is that this was his this was his face turn match. Okay. When you watch it going forward, it's going to make much more sense because I think I'm well. I'm past War Games, so I'm I'm on episode thirty right now. I'm not sure where you are. I'm st- I, I just I, the battle right is last. That'd one be I've like so far. yeah, that would be like episode sixteen or seventeen. Fifteen, I believe. So yeah, so I'm I'm about 15 uh, episodes ahead of you, and this was his face turn. Okay. And you see, over the next uh, you know 15 or next, I want to say like three four months, you see this turn solidify, and you see other things happening within his faction and things like that. That just it kind of it makes Battle Riot make more sense. Yeah, and, and the other, you know, the other thing was that that the week previous to this one, I, I think, or maybe it was two weeks previous to this one, but his last match, at least before this one, was against Jimmy Havoc in a in a hardcore environment where you first yep. was like, like, oh, that man, that 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 Tom Waller really is a tough motherfucker, um, and and then and then I think you know, and then you know, add this onto there, and, and it was a really great way to kind of um, 
solidify him as being a top guy in the company. Well, those I mean, two matches back, those two matches back to back. It, it was just it was just really odd watching him kind of, you know, play the you know not even really doing anything heel in the match other than kind of chuckling at what Teddy Hart did. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, he played the face throughout the match, and he took out his greatest rival, who becomes his greatest rival in the next few weeks here on on that you haven't watched yet, but in Jack Swagger. Um, you know, and there's a whole big storyline coming up with the heel state or with the um, uh, what are they called? Uh, dirty, dirty blondes. What's that? Stud stable. With the stud stable, he's got a feud coming up here, and the whole um, team filthy has a feud with them, and it it really solidifies. Well, well, that, well that's well that started before Battle Riot actually. Was the and maybe I'm getting them crossed up here, and I got I'm trying not to give spoilers, so I don't want to say too much, but um you really see a solidification of his heel of his face turn okay. during this. Cause he was, I mean, he was going into battle, right? He was a dirty fucking heel and there was no reason to like the guy. He was, he was a jerk. He, he was mean to everybody. He was picking on Rich Swan and um, Shane Strickland and everything. But, you know, throughout the next few weeks, you're going to see this solidify as him being the, not only the, the top face, in MLW, but you're going to see him becoming the just basically the man. Okay. Where right now, right now you look at low key, you look at Shane Strickland, you look at you know this upper echelon is those guys, and Tom Lawler really ascends to that level and actually overtakes them. You know, I'm, I'm really speaking of speaking of one of the guys you just mentioned. I, I'm really sad that. One of the guys that was was one of my favorite wrestlers for quite a while. Now I just wish was not on my tel- was not on this this program. Low key. Yeah. Yeah. This professional gimmick is brutal, and it doesn't get any better. Yeah, it's just I too just, bad. He um, it, I and I'm trying, like I said, because you hate spoilers so much. Now, if this was you saying this to me, I wouldn't care so much, but. I hate saying all this stuff because you're going to see this evolution of low key and this feud against Conan that takes on a whole new level. Fucking Conan. Seriously. It's going to make, well, you saw Conan pirate the um, tag champions away from Selena Del Rey. No, I haven't. Damn it. Get caught up so I can actually talk this shit to you. Well, if you you were forbidden to keep watching it, you kept watching anyway, so I don't want to hear it. Well, you it's could, only been you, two months since you forbid me to watch it. You you could have waited. You could have waited for me. I could have, but then I would I would not have the appreciation for Teddy Hart that I do. Yeah, and well, I'm try, and I'm trying to get caught up to two nine, 2019, so when we do our urine reviews, we can actually include all these people. Well, just saying. Our urine review is 10 months away, dude. And we have 10 months to get caught up. We're still two months behind on TNA. I'm in August in TNA. No, I'm in October in TNA. I'm in November in MLW. I'm caught up on everything else, but... Stop stop whining. All right. I'll give you something to whine about, you son of a... There you go with with more of your repressed homosexual stuff. What the hell? Unless I kick his ass. (laughs) Kick his oh, ass. She's in the bedroom waiting for me, dude. Um, she's anyway. listening on the radio. Come out and kick his ass. 
Um, she might lick my ass. I don't think she would kick it, though. Wow! I, <laughs> Man, I'm not going to be able to look at her tomorrow. You're welcome. Um, <sighs> anyway, anything else we want to cover this week? Not that I can think of. I mean, we pretty much hit it all. All right, well, hit the, hit the social media shit. Uh, Facebook. Um, I haven't been real good on it lately. It's, I'm going through a lot of stuff in my life that is keeping me from doing it. But look us up on Facebook anyway. Uh, we got a guy that uh, sends us messages all the time, Andrew. Um, by all means, keep sending them. Keep telling us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, go to Facebook. Look up Kingdom of Honor. Uh, the first p- picture that pops up should be a skull with a crown in front of a wrestling ring. Like it. Subscribe to it. Share everything you can. Message us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Tell us what you want us to watch. Same thing with Twitter. You can follow me at Regi Co-op. That's R-E-E-J-E-C-O-A-P. And at Zanman, L-O-P-X-A-M. Uh, I don't know. It's lots of words. <laughs> Lots of letters. <laughs> you can all, you can also uh, um, look us or hashtag us on Twitter. Hashtag King of Honor. We'll answer any questions. Look up anything you want. We got some really faithful listeners lately that have been sending us a lot of stuff. Um, Ryan has always been great, um, and like I said, Andrew on on Facebook has been phenomenal. Uh, giving us matches and, and promotions to watch and things like that. If we can find the time, we squeeze it in. We'll watch what we can. We'll comment when we can. Otherwise, just tell us what you think of the show. I think that's all I've got. I hurt right. my head doing that. Well, you heard all our, you you heard all of our ears doing that too. I need to lay down. That's, that's another story. Oh. Uh, oh, she came out here to lick my ass. Anyway. <laughs> bad, Melissa. Bad. Go away. Bad. Bad. <laughs> anyway, so so that so um, until next time, that's all we've got. And, and next time, we'll either be talking about um, the... What's wrong with us? Um, I don't know. I'm blaming you. Too, too many uh, things to list, probably. I was not like this till I met you. Well, you weren't any fun till you met me. That's a good point. <laughs> Of course, it's a good point. I said it. Um, what else? What, what was I going to say now? Oh, uh, stuff. Ne- next. Stuff. <laughs> really, I was going to say stuff. That's that's impressive. I'm, I'm glad you were able to figure that out. Um, next week, we'll we're either talk about um, Bound for Glory, or we're talking about some more about uh, Major League Wrestling. Of course, we'll keep we'll continue to cover all the stuff happening with all the elite all the elite wrestling. And uh, thanks very much for joining us this week again. That's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. Make sure you stay, stay tuned to all the other LOP programming coming up. And um, until then, what, this is, what is that programming? We well, have more time. Tell us about this programming. Uh, tomorrow is the Global Revolution and One Nation Radio. On Wednesday is Sports Entertainment is Dead. Which, by the um, way, is a great show. I've been listening to it almost every Wednesday. Yeah, it's awesome. On Thursday is the, the um, Perfect Ten Wrestling Podcast. On Friday is the Right Side of the Pond. On Saturday is all about all elite wrestling. Um, 
on Sunday, I don't I don't remember if there's a pay per view this week, but I, I don't think there is. So the doc should no. be back. The doc, the doc returned yesterday with the doc says. So this will be this should be a second straight week um, covering it. And and he is and he did put up on on his Twitter at at the doc LOP um, about his new uh, his new March Mayhem tournament of the top sixty five wrestlers in the world, which I took part in uh, creating that ranking system with him and since you're such good friends with the doc let him know i have some issues with this with this ranking there's a few people missing well you know you can also take it up with me since i was also part of that uh, i don't care i want to go straight to the man well i am the man so there you go oh all right this is shane saying long days pleasant nights and jeff saying goodbye As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Dock Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.